evening, everybody. Let's all stand. We'll start off with a word of prayer. Brother Bob, would you uh, open us with prayer? Amen. I'll take your hymn. I'll turn to hymn number 432. 432. Angels from the lambs of God.
Amen. We'll go ahead and let the teens be dismissed. Uh, if you would take your Bibles, turn to uh, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 12. Ezekiel, chapter 12. This thing's really loud. I don't know if you guys catch that or not. <sighs> I have a couple of thank you cards or cards I've been carrying around in my Bible. Dear church family, as you know, so many of us in church family have benefited from the labors, the labors of love and talents that the Lord has given Ms. Joncher. Ms. Joncher gives freely of her talents to serve our church family along with countless others in the community. Through the love and support of this church family, we're able to complete the much-needed repairs to Mrs. Joncher's long-arm sewing machine. On behalf of Ms. Joncher's myself, I would like to take this opportunity to thank everyone for your love, support, and generosity. You have been a blessing. Miss Joncher is back up and sewing for the Lord again. Matter of fact, I call Miss Deanna Lydia. She's my Lydia. Sincerely, Deanna Johnson and Barbara Summers. And if you need something sewed, I think them girls can figure out how to do it. It won't even be like a guy, you know, we would use duct tape and bailing wire, but they can actually use sewing machines, so that's awesome. This other one comes all the way from Japan, and uh, it's got Japanese writing right here, which I don't have foggiest idea. I think it says, you are one handsome dude, or something like that. <laughs> it's my story, I'm sticking to it. 
It says, Dear friends at Shawnee Mission, thank you for your card and encouragement, and most of all, thank you for praying for our ministry in Japan. The Lord continues to bless, and new ones continually come through the doors. We look forward to a baptism this Sunday. The church's 30th anniversary is next month, and we have much to praise God for. Thank you again in Christ, the Evans family. And so once a month, as we gather to go outreach, uh, one of the parts of outreach is to write cards and letters of encouragement, and they send uh, cards of encouragement to our missionaries. And so that's what this is in reply to. And so, so thankful for the ladies uh, that take time to be involved in that. And it's a ministry that some may feel, you know, it doesn't get a, a lot of airplay and whatever, but it makes a difference. I mean, if they would take time to send a note all the way from Japan, it makes a difference. And so thank you very much for doing that. And then I'd like to share a prayer request with you. Uh, I did not share this on Sunday. Uh, to be quite honest, with all the other excitement that was going on, it just kind of slipped my mind. But last, um, I don't know, about nine months ago, I was with Jeremiah. Uh, Cindy and I were with his family. We were out to eat uh, in Topeka on a probably a, a Monday afternoon. And he got a phone call that one of his men had fallen 30 feet out of a tree and uh, this guy broke his pelvis and broke his back, and it was just really in a bad, bad way. Uh, very extensive recovery, had to teach him to walk again and so forth. He's, uh, he was probably about my age, uh, and so not real old, but, you know, feeling like he's getting there. And uh, then I went and preached for Jeremiah here uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago on a Sunday, and it was this guy, Brother Wood, was his name. Uh, it was his first Sunday back, and so it was really good to see him. We had known them off and on, going up for special events uh, like Jeremiah's birthday and other things that the church had uh, for him, and so we, we'd gotten to know them uh, through that time, and uh, so we, he and I spent probably 10-15 minutes just rejoicing at the fact that God let him heal up, let him get back to church, and so he's in this process of recovery. So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, he and his wife are in Oregon at 8.59 in the morning, a tree fell across the road, hit their car, killed him, and severely injured her. She, uh, she said she remembers him being there, seeing the life pass out of him. And then she was transported uh, on into Portland. They did a several uh, major surgeries to try to put her back together. And uh, then uh, they're going to be bringing her home from uh, Oregon here this next week. So if you would, pray for the Wood family. Uh, they're gonna, uh, they have been very instrumental in adopting a lot of children. Matter of fact, uh, our very own um, Jamie Purcell when she was in Topeka, worked for the Woods family. They have a little boy that's confined to a wheelchair, and she was a special help uh, to him uh, and worked for them, uh, caring for him. And so uh, they've got, I bet you they've got 15, 20 uh, either adopted or foster kids that they've fostered uh, throughout their lifetime, and I think they have three of their own kids. Um, it's just a big loss, you know, to a church, um, 
everybody leaves on holiday and you think, I'm going to see you as soon as the holiday's over. But we've got to remember we don't know what a day holds. And so uh, Brother Woods stepped into eternity, uh, knew Christ as his Lord and Savior. It's a big loss to the church. Uh, and getting her back and, and getting her healed up uh, is going to be quite a process. So if you would, pray for the Woods, pray for South Norwood. I know they would appreciate your prayers as they go through this time of recovery. Ezekiel chapter 12. This is our fourth lesson out of the book of Ezekiel. And uh, Ezekiel continues his ministry as a watchman on the wall. And so uh, we're going to begin reading verse number 12, and or I'm sorry, chapter 12 and verse number 1. And uh, you can follow along as I begin to read. The word of the Lord also came unto me, saying, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not. For they are a rebellious house. Have you ever met somebody and you try to help them and you try to point them in the right way, but they're so determined to go their own way that they won't even listen? Therefore, thou son of man, prepare thee stuff for removing and remove by day in their sight, and thou shalt remove from thy place to another place in their sight. It may be they will consider though they be a rebellious house. Then shalt thou bring forth thy stuff by day in their sight, as stuff for removing, and thou shalt go forth at even in their sight, as they that go forth into captivity. Dig thou through the wall in their sight, and carry out thereby. In their sight shalt thou bear it upon thy shoulders, and carry it forth in the twilight. Thou shalt cover thy face, that thou see not the ground. For I have set thee for a sign unto the house of Israel. And I did so as I was commanded. I brought forth my stuff by day as stuff for captivity. And in the even I digged through the wall with my hand. I brought it forth in the twilight and I buried upon my shoulder in their sight. And in the morning came the word of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, hath not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said unto thee, What doest thou? Say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, This burden concerneth the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel that are among them. Say, I am your sign, like as I have done, so shall it be done unto them. They shall remove and go into captivity. And the prince that is among them shall bear upon his shoulder in the twilight, and shall go forth. They shall dig through the wall to carry out thereby, and he shall cover his face, that he see not the ground with his eyes. My net also will I spread upon him, and he shall be taken in my snare, and I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans. Yet shall he not see it, though he shall die there. And I will scatter toward every wind all that are about me to help him and all his bands, <coughs> and I will draw out the sword after them. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall scatter them among the nations and disperse them in the countries. But I will leave a few men of them from the sword, from the famine, <coughs> and from the pestilence, 
that they may declare all their abominations among the heathen, whether they come, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, eat thy bread with quaking, and drink thy water with trembling and with carefulness. And say unto the people of the land, Thus saith the Lord God of the inhabitants of Jerusalem and of the land of Israel, They shall eat their bread with carefulness, and drink their water with astonishment, that her land may be desolate from all that is therein, because of the violence of all them that dwell therein. And the cities that are inhabited shall be laid waste, and the land shall be desolate, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together tonight to be able to hold your word in our hands, be able to study from it, to learn from it. And Lord, we realize as we look at the, the material before us that there's no way that in 20 or 30 minutes we're going to be able to grasp all that is here. And so, Lord, I pray that you might spark within us a desire to carry on study uh, when we're done here, that we might be able to uh, study on, to learn more, to learn exactly what we find in this portion of Scripture here. <clears throat> and Lord, most of all, that you'd use it in our life to mold us to be more like you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We love you and ask these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so the first thing we notice is his illustrations to the nation of Israel. And so um, what is being accomplished here in the nation of Israel? Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. Now put it in my mouth and I'll cause me to spit a bunch of stuff. So Thank you, though. I hate this time of year because I almost always get a cold, and this is the result of it. <clears throat> so we see his illustrations to the nation of Israel. And through the demonstrations in chapter 12, where we just read, from verses 1 through 20, we see two illustrations, okay, two illustrations. The first one is seen in verses 1 through 16, and that we... Uh, have just been a part of reading. Uh, the symbol is that Ezekiel is commanded to pack his belongings on his shoulder and dig a tunnel through the city wall. And that's in verses 1 through 7. Ezekiel is commanded to pack his belongings on his shoulders and to dig a tunnel through the city wall. And the significance of it is found in verses 8 through 16. And it depicts how Jerusalem's frightened citizens will attempt to escape the Babylonian siege. And so he's setting a picture for him, and he's saying, look, the siege is coming, and uh, they're going to they're gonna besiege us. And uh, remember in the book of Ezekiel that God uses different ways of illustrating what's going to happen. He has uh, Ezekiel pantomime some of the things and make a play uh, to lay out different uh, articles, like he builds a, a city and he does things. So here He's told that he's to go out and to, uh, commanded to pack his belongings. And so he's, he's life-living uh, what's going to happen in the nation or in the city uh, when it falls under the Babylonian siege. And it, depic it depicts uh, Jerusalem's frightened citizens and what they will do uh, to attempt to escape the Babylonian siege. Now, it's easy, it's easy for us to maybe adopt the idea that well, I would never do anything like this. 
But unless we're faced with such a situation, we don't know what we would do. What I would say for the nation of Israel, and hindsight's always 2020, right? I would say this, that God has taken time to prepare his man to tell you the truth of what's going to happen and how you're going to react. And I would tell them, just be prepared because this is what's going to happen. I don't know if they did or not. I just don't know. The second illustration is found in verses 17 through 20. And there we see the symbol in verses 17 through 18. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, eat thy bread with quaking, and drink thy water with trembling and with carefulness. And so Ezekiel is to tremble and shudder in fear as he eats his food and drinks his water. Again, this is a picture of how people are going to react as the city is being laid sieged and as Babylon comes and surrounds it. Uh, people are going to be nervous. They're going to tremble when they eat. They're going to have fear all over them. They're not going to know what to do. And uh, in verses 19 through 20, <coughs> it depicts how the people of Jerusalem will soon eat their food and drink their water. And they will do this very thing. As their city is laid siege and their land becomes desolate, they will be scared. And it says, ye shall know that I am the Lord. Through all this, God is saying, you're going to know that I'm the Lord God. Matter of fact, verse number 19 says, And say unto the people of the land, Thus saith the Lord God of the inhabitants of Jerusalem and of the land of Israel, They shall eat their bread with carefulness and drink their water with astonishment, that their land may be desolate from all that is therein because of the violence of all them that dwell therein. And the cities that are inhabited shall be laid waste, and the land shall be desolate, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And so the whole point <coughs> is to drive the people of the city to recognize, hey, there is a God in heaven, and we have not treated him right, and we have been rebellious, and we, we have been told that we ought to repent. We have been told we ought to get back on track. We ought to get close to God again, but we refuse to. Kind of reminds me, of where we are today in America. Our nation is in a sorry state of affairs. Our nation is in great need and it doesn't realize it. Our nation's falling apart at the seams and it doesn't realize it. And I'm afraid that maybe even the majority of Christians just go through life <coughs> not with an anticipation of the Lord's soon return, but with an anticipation that this too will pass that we'll get to the other side, that it's going to be okay. But just as the promise was made here to the uh, city of Jerusalem, the land of Israel, so we have the promise to know that our Lord is returning and that we are to look for his return. We are to anticipate his return. We ought to become a driving force in our life. So we see a proverb here, verses 21 through 28. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel, saying, The days are prolonged, and every vision faileth. And so they had this proverb in the land there, that they have the land of Israel, saying, The days are prolonged, and every vision faileth. The old proverb of the people, 21 through 22, <coughs> was that those who predict judgment are wrong, and each passing day proves it. 
I think that sometimes uh, Christians kind of identify with this in the way of looking for the Lord's return. You know, we, we know we're supposed to watch for his return. It's an imminent return. Amen? We get excited. We read the scriptures. We hear some preaching on it. But if we're not careful, a week goes by, and before long we're just thinking, oh, yeah, he, he, he's going to come. But he hasn't come yet, so, you know, maybe he'll come, maybe he won't. But he is coming. He will come. And we ought to anticipate that coming. The new proverb for the prophet was actually seen in verses 28 through, or 23 through 28, that these predictions are true. The coming day of destruction will prove it. <clears throat> there in verse 23, Tell them therefore, saith the Lord God, I will make this proverb to cease, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel, but say unto them, the days are at hand and the effect of every vision. For there shall be no more any vain vision nor flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord, I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged. For in your days, O rebellious house, will I say the word and will perform it, saith the Lord God. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, the vision that he seeth is for many days to come, and he prophesies of the times that are far off. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, There shall none of my words be prolonged any more, but the word which I have spoken shall be done, saith the Lord God. <coughs> so with this new proverb, if you would, Ezekiel was to tell them, Hey, God's through playing. This is really going to happen. This is, this is going to come to pass. And the analogy is seen in chapter 15, eight verses long. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is the vine tree more than any tree, or than a branch which is among the trees of the forest? Shall wood be taken thereof to do any work? Or will man take a pen of it to hang any vessel thereon? Behold, it is cast into fire for fuel. The fire devours both the ends of it, and the midst of it is burnt. Is it meat for any work? Behold, when it was whole, it was meat for no work. How much less shall it be meat yet for any work when the fire hath devoured it, and it is burned? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, is the vine tree among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so will I give the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So he's saying they're not even like real trees. They're, they're a vine tree, which is good for nothing. And I will set my face against them, and they shall go out from one fire, and another fire shall devour them. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them. And I will make the land desolate, because they have committed a trespass, saith the Lord God. So that's the first point. The second point is found in chapters 13 and 14. It's his indictment of the nation of Israel. And so Ezekiel is set before the people. He's identified them as a rebellious group. Their failure to acknowledge God, their failure to... Uh, confess their wrong, to get things right with God. He has set an example before them. 
that uh, he took, took and put all his goods on. He dug a hole through the wall. He ate food and drank water uh, with great fear. And he said, this is going to come to pass on you. <clears throat> and there's a new commandment. And God is saying that you're like a vine tree, which is good for nothing but to be consumed by the fire. In other words, there's not a lot they can do about it unless they would repent of their wickedness. So his indictment of the nation of Israel, verse 13 and four, or chapter 13 and 14. Ezekiel, <coughs> pardon me. Ezekiel condemns the false prophets. The male prophets in verses 1 through 16, their perversions are seen in verses 1 through 7. In verse number 10, in verse number six, uh, 16, they assure the people that God will not punish them, but rather will send peace in their way. This kind of reminds me of when uh, the king comes and says, is there not a, another man of God? And uh, the, the uh, king of Jerusalem says, oh yeah, but I don't like him. And they call him forth anyhow. And he brings the honest truth of judgment to come. It's kind of what this is here. The people are living in their perversion and uh, they don't want to be punished, and they think that everything's going to be hunky-dory, that they're going to continue to be able to live in their perversions, and yet Ezekiel is here telling them, look, you need to straighten up. Things need to change. If you don't change, judgment's coming. Their punishment. Verses 8 and 9, 11 through 15. God's wrath will crash down upon them like great hailstones. Verse 11 through uh, verse 15, saying to them, which daub it with untempered mortar, that it shall fail, there shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, Shall it not be said unto you, Where is the daubing wherewith ye have daubed it? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in my anger, and great hailstorm stones in my fury shall consume it. <coughs> so will I break down the wall that ye have daubed with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground, so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered, and it shall fall, and ye shall be consumed in the midst thereof, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall, and upon them that have daubed it with untempered mortar, and will say unto you, The wall is no more, neither they that daubed it. And so they're trying to build... Their own religious empires are trying to have their own gods. They're trying to use untempered mortar, which is a picture of their own ways and their own works, their own hands, their own things, and it's going to fail. The judgment is it's going to fail. God will bring judgment. It will not stand. It will crash down upon them. Then we see the female prophets in verses 13 Chapter 13, 17 through 23, we see the female prophets and their perversions are prompted by greed. They deceive the people by their magic charms and veils. And uh, we have our own 
female prophets nowadays uh, that are out on the route and have the following that uh, people that follow them. And there will be a punishment. And God will rescue the people from their grasp. God is, is trying to gain their attention, trying to get them back on track in serving him. And the falsity of the prophets and of the female prophets will lead many astray. So we close with this thought, and that is that Ezekiel condemns the idol worshipers. And he uses chapter 14 to do it. And we're not going to read all of it, but I'll pick up in verse number 9 of chapter 14. And if the prophet be deceived when he has spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of the people of Israel. And they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity, and the punishment of the prophet shall be even as the punishment of him that seeketh unto him, that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and that I may be their God, saith the Lord God. Here's God, once again, trying to pull the people back to him. Ezekiel's telling them, God wants you to come back. God wants you to come to him. God wants you to repent. He wants you to turn. Verse 6, <coughs> he said, <coughs> Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from your abominations. And so God is trying to reach out. He's trying to draw them back, and yet they are intent on living their own way. Verse 19. Or let's uh, yeah, verse 19. Or if I send a pestilence into the land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, though David, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall, be de uh, shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. And so uh, here's three of God's men in the past. And uh, God mentions them uh, as righteous men. He said, even if they were numbered among the citizens, they alone would be saved. Because no one else is turning from their wickedness. No one else is walking away and following after God. And then if you read <clears throat> verses 21 through 23, you find that there are four dreadful judgments. A sword, a famine, wild beasts, and a plague. All these to come against the city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, because of their lack of desire to walk with God. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your goodness and your love. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. going to have Brother James come with our prayer requests at this time. Uh, kind of FYI for the church to know. On Monday... I got to work, and Lalo was here, which Monday's his day off, but he was here. And he said, so Water One came by my house today. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, they, um, looking at their dials and stuff, they determined that we've had a steady water leak down at the house since last Wednesday. And so they looked around throughout the house, didn't see anything, went out in the yard, found a big water spot out in the yard. So uh, we went ahead and got hold of the deacon's trustees. We got three estimates on repair, and starting tomorrow, um, we're going to get that repaired right about $3,000.
They're going to dig it, the water line from the meter all the way up to the house. So God has been good to us once again. Uh, no damage uh, per se, but he's going to have an ugly front yard. And I said, I don't envy you come spring because you're going to have to chop that all up and sow seed and all that good stuff. So we may have a party down there, you know, a seed sowing party for the yard or something. But anyhow, we just praise God that A, we have the money to fix it, that B, that it was caught. Uh, it's still not running water. Would the water bill would really get out of hand? So anyhow, just FYI.